0: All right. Well, how are we doing? Good. I'm Joel Schmidgall. I'm the executive pastor here at National Community Church. I want to give a huge uh, welcome. And I want to say thank you uh, this week for investing in the church. And last week we took an offering, not for National Community Church, but for the church at large in D.C. And uh, we wanted to model generosity. And, man, I am so excited. I am so proud. We gave forty-seven thousand dollars to churches around this area. And, uh, man, we could give it up right there if you're feeling a little good about that. Just a huge blessing, you guys, and uh, man, so much of a blessing. We actually will add a 12th church in need, and so we'll give to 12 churches and are able to bless the pastors in a small way, and uh, man, I just love it. And I was talking to somebody, I was talking to an or afterwards, and, and he said, I actually invited a friend last week, and of course you walk in and you see the topic of giving and tithing. You're like, oh, why this week did I bring... This person who doesn't really have a faith. And, and he said, by the end of service, so that person was pulling out their wallet, was given out of their wallet. Because here's what happens. When, when, when you have generosity in your spirit, generosity breeds generosity. Am I right? I mean, when you see the church coming together, not worrying about ourselves, all of a sudden that's a testimony to who Jesus is. And uh, so I just want to say a huge thank you. Could we take just a moment To bless those churches in prayer. And uh, and then you're going to check out a video leading us uh, into the topic of today. Will you pray with me? God, we give you praise. And Lord, we pray a blessing over every single one of these churches right now. We thank you for our brothers and sisters. Lord, we pray your anointing over each one of these pastors. That these gifts, that these prayers in a small way would help them understand that they are a part of a great kingdom of God. And Lord, we pray that you would advance your kingdom within their churches, that your kingdom come, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, within those communities, God. We pray your encouragement into them right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I grew up in the Episcopal Church, and that's a very liturgical denomination that observes Lent. And so, it was always common practice to give something up for those 40 days. It wasn't until college when I took a Christian discipleship course, which was absolutely terrible. But we read this book on spiritual disciplines, and I did a three-day juice fast. Um, it changed the trajectory of my spiritual journey, and ever since then, I've tried to make fasting just a really regular part of my spiritual diet. Personally, uh, Lent is a season for anticipation and preparation and ultimately about repentance for me. And so every year I try to think of something tangible to give up and then also something intangible, something um, that's attacking my character or my relationship with God. So maybe it's greed and so I try to add in generosity or maybe it's comparison and so I try to find ways to encourage people um, with gifts that are similar to me. So two years ago, I gave up coffee um, and it actually ended right before um, I signed up for protege so I have to believe that part of that fast is what led me to where I am today. One of the things that we didn't realize about the Lent season is the, the impact that it would have on our kids and that was pointed out to us a couple of years ago when our, our son informed us at dinner time that he would not be eating his vegetables because he was fasting vegetables. We realized they had really been watching and hearing us talk about what we were doing. In fact, this year, our seven-year-old informed us as we were kind of talking about what we might do that she wanted to join us this year during the Lent season. So we really look forward to what that would be like. So traditionally during Lent, uh, you break your fast on Sundays. And one of the things that I've found that it does is to help me keep from being pharisaical about my fast. In other words, I I tend to turn the fast into something that is about me and look at what I've done and how spiritual I am. And by breaking it on Sundays, it reminds me that it's about God and drawing closer to Him and that it's not about me or how spiritual that I am. So in the past for Lent, I gave up social media, uh, which was one of the most challenging things for me to do because it was a part of my job last year. Um, So this year, I'm actually going to let go of sweets, which is one of my favorites. Um, So no cakes, no candy, no pop, nothing sweet. Um, and just letting that go. And then also um, I'll be taking on the challenge of reading through the New Testament. So join in. (laughs) Well, I know many of us grew up in traditions that actually didn't practice Lent growing up. And I'm one of those people here and um, I remember coming to D.C. It wasn't until I came to D.C. that I learned some of the high church traditions. And uh, I remember one of my first weddings here on the East Coast. And uh, went to this church and, and they were doing this thing called passing the peace. And uh, if, if you don't know what you do when you pass the peace is one person says, uh, peace be with you. And the other says, and also, and also with you. OK, you guys got it. And so we go into it. And he says, OK, we're going to pass the peace. I don't know what I'm doing. So they start passing it to me. Peace be with you. Hey, Joel Schmidgall, how are you? Peace be with you. Hey, uh, great. Good to see you today. Peace be with you. From Chicago, where are you from? Okay, you're busy piecing out. Okay, I'll leave you alone. And you guys, I didn't know what Lent was. I didn't know how it worked. And so we come into Lent, and I'm serious. Um, I'm the kind of friend, if you got a piece of parsley in your teeth, I'm going to tell you it's there. And so it's Ash Wednesday. I'm the kind of friend... (laughs) If you got some dirt on your forehead, I'm going to tell you it's there. It's just, a, let me get it for you. I had no idea. I didn't know what I was talking about. And so I'm going to give you a little intro into today for those who are from my neck of the woods, okay? We're going to just walk into this slowly and uh, excited to talk about Lent today, you guys, um, I think you're going to be challenged, and I hope you take up a challenge today as uh, we jump into this. This Wednesday is the start of the Lenten season, and it's a 40-day period that leads up to Easter. It's actually 47 days because you take Sundays off, and uh, it's to commemorate the resurrection on Sunday. And so Lent is it's about repentance. It's about confession. It's about soul-searching. It's about preparation. It's about pruning and cutting things back so that you can grow closer to Christ. And it's actually based and inspired out of a scripture in Matthew chapter 4. And the scripture is where Jesus goes out into the wilderness for 40 days, for 40 nights, and he prays and he fasts. Now there's a rich tradition with Lent, and it originated, originated in the very early days of the church as a preparatory time for Easter. And it was when uh, followers of Christ would come and they would rededicate themselves unto the Lord. And then those who were seeking God and were thinking about faith would come and practice. And then the day before Easter would get baptized. This is what's really cool. Uh, The Saturday before Easter, we have a baptism. So if that's you today and you're seeking God and you're exploring faith, man, jump in, practice with us and consider getting baptized that Saturday before Easter. But as we walk into this, here's the thing. We don't practice at NCC. We don't practice Lent because it's a tradition. We practice out of a personal nature. And I'll share personally. One of the reasons I love Lent is because it's a great excuse. It's an excuse for me to rekindle a fire and a passion for the Lord. It's an excuse for me to renew my commitment unto God. It's 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 when I come into Lent and it's an excuse for me to step out of my regular routine that I've got caught up in and to step in and to recenter myself in Christ and who he is and the image of God and what he has called me to be. We see in Matthew 6 that Jesus doesn't say if you fast. He says when you fast. It's not an if, it's a when, It's, it's an assumption that we will do this at points in our life. Now, let's take a look at the context of the scripture for just a few moments here. In Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist was doing what he did. He was baptizing people and he was calling people to repentance. And he's doing this when Jesus comes along and he says, John, baptize me. And we find him in verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, then he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. It's got to be this breathtaking moment, right? One of the few moments in all of scripture where the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit physically come together. And for Jesus, it's this coming out party. It's this inauguration It's this crowning moment for him and his coming ministry. And you see this and you think, okay, after this moment, he's ready to step in. This is an awesome inauguration. And he's ready to jump in and preach the gospel, to call people to repentance, to heal the sick, to do miracles, to perform all these things. But what happens right after this moment? He walks and disappears into the wilderness to pray and to fast for 40 days for 40 nights. If Jesus had a PR guy, he would be going nuts right here. Are you kidding me, Jesus? The stage has been set for you. I mean, you can step up into your dreams right now. This is your moment right here. I mean, the lights are on you, the spotlight is there. It's your time. You got to say, What are you thinking? I mean, you have the thing and the water splashing and the dove. I mean, people pay thousands of dollars at their weddings to get the dove to come out and land in the right moment, and you're walking away from it all. But Jesus teaches us something right here, doesn't he? He teaches us something. He doesn't just teach it. He models it for us, and that's this right here. Listen to this. You can't sacrifice priorities on the altar of opportunity. You cannot sacrifice priorities on the altar of opportunity. Of opportunity. This is an incredible opportunity. It's a good opportunity. It's a right moment in our minds. But Jesus is not following our pattern. He's following the Spirit of God, He's following the Father who is in heaven. And He lays out de- this would be like President Obama after his inauguration. He decides to take a couple of months off to go to New Mexico to pray and to fast. I mean, this is crazy. This is your moment to step up right here. Some of us here today, we are sacrificing what we know is right, the priorities in our life, at the feet of an opportunity that has presented itself, that has put itself in front of our face. Maybe it's our kids. Maybe it's our relationship with God. Maybe it's our time in the Word. Maybe it's a genuine community. Maybe it's our spouse. I don't know what that is. But but we, the priorities that we know in our spirits, in our hearts, we're sacrificing that for, for maybe it's work or a project or an extra opportunity. I don't know what that is. But we have said, I'm going to push these things, these opportunities, instead of trusting in God and knowing that he can sustain me in all things. This week I was talking to a friend about Priorities in life. And uh, as I was talking to them, uh, they said this. They said a number of times, they said, I just, Joel, I just don't have time right now. Hey, do I need, am I okay on this mic? Do I need to switch out? Am I okay? All right, I'll let you tell me. Um, they said, I just, Joel, right now, I just, I need to, I just don't have time for this thing. And, and they said that over and over, you guys. And there are some priorities in life that we'll just never have time for. That's just how it is. You have to make time for it. You'll never have time for prayer. you got to make time for it. Don't come along and just squeeze God into whatever is remaining in your schedule. No, put God first, and then he'll take care of the rest. I'll never forget a dad who started his day at 3.30 a.m. in prayer. And I'll never forget a moment when I was sneaking back in that storm door. Come on, Midwesterners here in the house. That storm window that went down was the perfect place to sneak back in your house late at night. So I'm sneaking in. And it's, it's late at night for me. It's early in the morning for him. You know what I mean? And I'm sneaking back in, and I hear him in the other room. And, and I will say this. Uh, it was my brother, Rob, who taught me how to sneak in there. He's our <laughs> campus pastor at Gainesville now. And uh, good luck, y'all, with that. And... Uh, my mom's actually at Gainesville attending there. So, Mom, he taught me this. I would have never done it. And uh, thank you for letting me be your favorite. And I love you, Mom. Now, sneaking in. And I hear him praying. He's on the treadmill in the other room praying for me and for his family. <laughs> and uh, he would get on the treadmill. He would have these prayer lists. And he would pray over them. And it was this this image, this moment that I'll never forget of the delinquent son coming in late at night, doing wrong, and then the, the praying father who's seeking God over his family. And guess who won that battle right there? Come on, praying dads. And he's praying, and he would pray for an hour at 3.30. Then he'd He'd get ready and prepare. And then he'd go to work and he'd go to the church and he'd pray for another hour, corporate prayer. And he'd get two hours of prayer before most people would even get out of bed because he understood something. He understood that, that you don't just find time to pray. You make time to pray because that's a priority. He understood something, that you have to put God first and God will take care of the rest. That's what the scriptures say. That's a theme all over the place. These aren't my words. Matthew 6, says this. It says, seek first the kingdom of God. And what? And all these things shall be added unto you. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. One of my favorite scriptures. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all thy ways. Acknowledge who? Acknowledge him. And then what? And then he will direct your path. This is what fasting is all about right here. I don't look at my calendar over the next 40 days and say, well, I got a party there. I know I'm going to that meeting. I could really eat well there and and I'm going to fit this all around. No, I say, I'm going to fast for these 40 days. God is first and then I'm going to fit everything around it. That's how it's got to work. Listen, to find spiritual breakthrough, you've got to do radical things to set boundaries in your life. If you want spiritual breakthrough, you've got to break the routine. You've got to break the pattern. That's the only way, you guys, for us to see the Spirit of God move within us. Are we ready? Are we willing? Listen, don't tell me about the things that you can't do. Don't tell me about the things that you can't commit to. And if you do, don't tell me about what God is not doing or what God is not accomplishing. That's what his word says. Luke 6, uh, chapter, chapter 6, verse 38 says, Give and it shall be given unto you a good measure. Shaken together, pressed down and overflowing into your lap. For the measure which you give, so shall it be measured unto you. Listen, if you come along, you say, okay, God, I'm going to give you the leftover change I got in my pocket." What do you expect to happen? If you say, come along, okay, God, take the leftover time in my calendar. What do you expect to happen? We talked about giving and we talked about tithing last week. And some people say tithing is an Old Testament thing. I'm I'm beyond that. Well, the New Testament, Jesus comes along and he says, listen, sell everything you have, give it away, and then come and follow me. And then we'll start from there. Jesus demands everything. He wants it all. This journey of Lent is a journey of self-sacrifice. It's us taking ourselves out of the center of the story and acknowledging that this is God's story. That we are just a character in the narrative that he is writing. Fasting like discipline is just making a choice. It's either choosing what you want now or it's choosing what you want most. What is it that you need to prune? What is it that you need to cut out of your life? What is it you need to get rid of? What is it that you need to stop doing? I'd like to ask you to consider fasting with me through Lent. 40 days starting this Wednesday with Sundays off. What is it that you need to give up for a season? It could be meat. It could be dessert. It could be TV. It could be media. Done all kinds of fasts over the years. And, man, I, I love, we did a, a snooze fast one time. You can get 20 minutes in your morning extra or maybe more for some of you guys. I'll never forget when we did um, we fasted our vehicles. And so we, we prayer walked everywhere that we went. It was really hard. <laughs> it took a lot of time. Man, every person we met, every meeting I went to, there was a sense of peace. There was a sense of power. There was a sense of the Spirit of God in those moments because we were hyper-focused on His purposes. I will never forget when a couple of years ago, Nina and I did a fast together where we fasted sleep. And in the morning, we would get up together, We'd get on our knees at the side of the bed. We'd hold hands and we'd seek God together. And we went after him in moments of hardship and trouble and pain and argument and confusion. Whatever came against us, we found solidarity. We were united in one purpose, in one mission for the kingdom of God. What is it for you that you need to give up? What do you need to set aside? Quick side note right here. If you decide to jump in and and experience Lent this year, uh, clarity and hard decision. Like, we have to have a point of clarity exactly for what we're fasting, and you have to have a decision point for when you're going to make it. So maybe that's today. Maybe that's at the end of this service. Maybe it's the end of of today. Maybe it's uh, on Tuesday night, we have our Lent service at Miracle Theater, 7 p.m., everyone's welcome. And we're just going to seek God. It's going to be a time of praise and prayer seeking him. But we're going to make a commitment together. But if you can't make that service, man, maybe that's today. But come to a point of decision. This is what I'm going to fast specifically. And, uh, and this is when I'm going to make the decision. All right. Jesus understands the power of God that is found in fasting. So he, he sets out in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. A year ago, I had an incredible opportunity to travel to the Holy Land. And uh, we had the chance to walk some of the roads to Jericho near uh, Mount Quarantania, which uh, literally means 40. And it's it's symbol from this story that we're reading. It's uh, from the 40 days of Jesus' prayer and fasting. And, uh, and so this is believed to be the region where uh, Jesus went out and wandered in the wilderness. And so we're we'll walking and, and had a number of observations. And, and uh, man, it was just a desolate area. And as you look around, there's no signs of water. There's no signs of food. Uh, there's no signs of shelter. There, there's barely any life in the whole area. And so it gives you perspective on Jesus' step into this, uh, into this 40 days. You know, for us, like it's not Jesus stepping into a Lent season where he gives up soda. You know, he steps into Lent, he's tired, he's hot, he is sweaty, he is hungry, he is thirsty, he is overwhelmed, he is completely physically taxed. Why? To gain this hyper focus on the Father. And it was the season of preparation for what is to come because he had a vision not from himself, but he had a vision to follow what the Father has for him. And in those moments, he was declaring, he was stating that this is not about me. I will be dependent on the Father and his goodness towards me. Fasting is hard, you guys. That's just a fact. Every mission trip uh, I take, we, we uh, practice fasting leading up to the trip. And almost every time, one of the members will come to me and say, okay, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm fasting on this day, but, but I don't think I'm doing it right because it's really hard. And I don't like it. And, I'm, and I get irritable and angry. And as they're saying this, I'm like, yep, yep, that's right. I think you're doing it right. That's perfect. That's exactly how it should go. That's what fasting is. You think it's like this hyper-spiritual state, right? Like you live in a different emotive place, but, but it's the opposite. You feel like the least spiritual that you feel at any moment because it's hard. It's physically taxing. In fact, Leviticus 16, 29, it says that fasting is synonymous with afflicting one's soul. It's more than afflicting your body. It's afflicting your soul, but you are stating something. You are stating that I trust God more than the very elements that I think that sustain my life. You say, Joel, this is is legalistic. This is just restrictions. I think it's actually the opposite. I think this is is what breaks bondage. It's what reveals bondage in our life. I love the way that Chris C. says it. He says this. says, We have allowed our love of freedom, what we call freedom, to do whatever we want. We have allowed our love of freedom to become an excuse to live a life marked by self-absorbed consumerism. We have a spiritual cancer of entitlement. Let's replace it with gratitude. He talks about the call to fast and feast, to abstain and to celebrate. But we don't fast or feast, do we? No, we just consume. We gobble up whatever it is in front of us. That's not freedom, though. That's gluttony. Selfishness has nothing to do with what's in your hands. It has everything to do with the posture of your hands. Okay, so you can have millions of dollars in your hands, but if you live your life open-handed, your spirit, your, your faith will grow. But if you live your life with your, your fist clenched, closed, whatever is in that fist, relationship, money, work, alcohol, food, whatever is in that hand, it'll come back to bite you. In fact, you figure out at that moment what owns you. You try to figure out, okay, where do I find freedom? Where am I in bondage? I'll tell you exactly how to do that. Try to quit something. Try to let it go. Try to release something. Try to cut it out. Man, we don't know the true power of temptation until we try to deny ourselves, right? If you fasted, you know the truth in this statement. You don't know the true power of temptation until you try to deny yourself rule of Benedict, says that nothing is so inconsistent with the life of Christians as overindulgence. So Jesus fasts for 40 days, and he fasts for 40 nights in the wilderness. And as he does, and I'm going to summarize this for time purposes to keep us moving instead of reading it, but as he does, the the devil comes along and he begins to tempt Jesus, okay? And he gives him three temptations. The first, he says to Jesus, take that stone and turn it into bread. It's the temptation of self-sufficiency. And, and here's what Jesus says. He quotes scripture back to him. And he says, man does not live by bread alone, but by the word of God. It's a reference back to Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. And then he comes back and he, he tempts him with, uh, with this temptation of sensationalism. And then he comes again, the devil does, and he tempts him with this uh, temptation of power. And three times he comes to him. And three times Jesus quotes the scripture and refrains from the temptation. And finally the devil leaves. Now, if you go through 40 days and 40 nights of fasting, temptation will come, you guys, I'm telling you. There's something you can count on. It'll be hard. We talked about that. But here's the other part of it. Jesus isn't just alone by himself. Satan sees him and he comes against him. If you fast and pray, if you enter in this, man, you'll get attacked I'm speaking from experience that that the devil comes against us in this moment. But but here's the thing, you guys. Just like when I said, man, fasting is hard, that that means that you are correctly doing it. And just like when you step into fasting and the devil comes and attacks you, that's a confirmation, I think, of what's going on in your spirit. Because Jesus comes along and he's about to rise up to step into this moment of ministry and step out in the world, and Satan sees it. And he sees this moment, and he will seize the moment and come against him. This is when he's got to go on the offensive. This is when he has to attack. And when you take a step out of your routine, you begin to follow Jesus, not believing just his words, but acting on his word. Satan sees that. And he goes on the offensive because he wants to stop the spiritual momentum and spiritual breakthrough that is about to happen in your life. So when you get attacked, don't step back, you guys. No, take a step forward because that's confirmation of what the Spirit is doing. Now, how do we, how do we um, when temptation comes against us, how do we subvert that? Take a look at Jesus and what he does in this scripture. First, Jesus does this. He answers all the temptations of Satan with the same introduction, doesn't he? He says, as it is written. He speaks and he prays the scripture into each single moment. He quotes the scripture, the written word to refute temptation. There is nothing more powerful than praying the scripture into temptation. But listen, to pray the Scripture, you got to know the Scripture. To know the Scripture, you got to read the Scripture. But listen, when you've got the Scripture, when you've got God's Word written on your head, when you've got the living Word written on your hearts, you don't stand on your power. You stand on God's promises. This is the words of the Scripture. Psalm chapter 119. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 119, uh, 121. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Joshua 1.8, I will meditate on your word both day and night, and then I will be prosperous and successful. Jesus overcame temptation by praying the scriptures. But secondly, he didn't just subtract, but he added, right? He didn't just prune, but he took a step forward. Praying and fasting, and the scriptures are best friends, they're always together. They go hand in hand wherever they go. So what are you stepping into? Not just what are you stepping away from? Well, we're throwing down the challenge as a church for what to strive for during Lent. Call it the 40-day Lent challenge. But we're challenging people for 40 days to read through the entire New Testament. And I want to challenge you today. There's, uh, our whole pastoral team is going to do this. Uh, Your campus pastors at all of our locations are going to practice in this. There are people around the nation who are going to take part in this. This is bigger than our church. Uh, There's a whole lot of people who are going to step into this and be a part of it. It's 27 books, 260 chapters, about 30 minutes a day to do this thing. Now, we want to set you guys up. So on your way in, you should have received a Lent card. On that card, you'll see for each week, you'll see the readings that we need to get through to get through the whole New Testament now here's what's cool too if, if you have U version on your phone if you have an iPhone you can go to the applications and there's something called you uh version it's free and it's a bible application you can actually go on UVersion. version might take a a little searching but you can get the reading plan on UVersion version as well we're trying to set you up now here's the thing you guys it's it's not going to be easy going to be a little hard. You're talking a half hour a day. I don't know that any of us have a half hour to waste in our day, do we? But here's what I found. If it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you. Come on, let's step up. Let's be a part of the 40-day Lent challenge and read through the New Testament together. Here's what Charles Finney said. He said, a revival is nothing else than a new beginning of obedience to God. I'll close this out simply. Understand what I'm saying today. I'm not challenging you to to give up chocolate for Lent or caffeine or, I mean, maybe that's what you need to do, but, but that's not my challenge today. My challenge today is that you would step out and abandon to seek our God. That you would go after him with everything you got, that you would lay your heart out there. You would step out of, of sin and temptation and expectation and opportunity that you would step back in to make Jesus the center of it all, to step back into the image that he has placed on you. One of the greatest moments of last year was in prayer and fasting for me. It was when I stepped into and, and it, was a, it was a great and it was a terrible moment because I was I was fasting and I was praying and God gave me this revelation. But before that, I was, I was kind of just depleted and on empty. You know what I mean? Like I didn't have anything left. But, you know, sometimes you got you to gotta get down to empty for God to fill up your tank. You know what I mean? I'm just on empty. I got nothing left. I got nothing before God. And it was the moment that God took me to, to break me down and take me out of the center of the story and help me realize this is not about you. This is not all about you, Joel. And I began to pray over my kids. begin to pray in the spirit over my kids. And I'm calling out to God. God, come upon them. Make them this. man, Do this in them, God. Have your will. And I'm calling. And God gives me this vision over my kids. And it was incredible. Imprinted. This image of, of as they enter adulthood, them worshiping God. And I can see it in my head. And I'm praising God for this vision that he gives me. And I'm claiming that over them. And then I begin to pray, God, what's my place? What's my part? How can I help, Lord? How can I be a part of this? And God speaks a simple word into my spirit. Whatever you want to see in them in 18 years, you got to be right now. You gotta live it right now. You wanna see generosity in them in 18 years? You gotta live it today. You wanna see them be worshipers in 18 years? You gotta worship today. You wanna see them live in humility? You gotta be humble right now and live it. And it's and it's imprinted in my spirit and it's changed my course of action. Man, I mess up every single day. But I thank God for a vision to keep me going in the right direction, to keep my eyes focused on the right thing. Sometimes you got to get to another level by stepping out of your routine. We expect the same results by doing the same things. When you pray, when you fast in the Spirit, it's stepping out of that routine. You want something new? you got to try something new. Are we willing to step out and step into the Spirit of God? Are we willing to step forward in a challenge unto Him? Not because we're good. Not because it's our duty, but because the mercy seat is open. Romans 12:1 says exactly that. It says the mercy of God is evident. In view of God's mercy, I offer myself as a living sacrifice unto you. I want to pray over us. And then we're going to sing a song at all of our locations together. And uh, it's called Take My Life. And as we sing this song, I just want to ask you, come before the Lord. Ask Him what He wants from you. Just like Jesus in that moment, He doesn't do what's natural. He doesn't do what other people tell Him to do. He follows the Spirit in that moment. Don't listen to me. Don't listen to my ideas. No, you follow the Spirit. That's that's all we're here to do. We're here to lead people to the foot of Jesus Christ and see what He can do. So as we sing this song, let's consecrate ourselves unto the Lord. Let's give ourselves to God. Let's seek Him. Let's come to a point of commitment for where we can go in His Spirit. Will you stand with me at all our locations? Let's stand up and let me pray over us. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is alive and well, that it is living and active, that it is sharper than any double-edged sword. We thank you today, Jesus, for your example. And we pray, Lord, as we step into a season of Lent, God, we know that a message like today is, is just a message to, it's a message to pat us on the back and pat us on the butt to give us encouragement, but to also exhort us and push us. So God, I pray that in you, that before you, God, that we would consecrate ourselves and that what you speak to us, what you call of us, Lord, I pray that over the next 40 days that we would that we would stand together in solidarity, that we would put those things that come against us down, that we would overcome those things, that we would... Lord, overcome the bondages of addictions, God, in our life, that we would overcome the bondage of routine, that we would overcome the bondage of things that we thought we owned, but they actually own us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to take a big step forward over those things and help us to know when it's hard, when it hurts, when it's painful, that that's confirmation that we are stepping towards freedom in Jesus Christ. So give us courage today to listen to your word and to put it into practice into obedience. We claim these things in Jesus' name. Amen.